0: xbox on welcome to xbox on a podcast with one host about one console xbox i'm said host jesse Derosa, and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest xbox news for the week of november 11th 2021 including xbox is looking to acquire developers for casual games sonic is in the news this week yay forza horizon 5 races onto our hard drives and into our hearts and more Happy birthday, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. That's right. Today, Wednesday, the day I'm recording this podcast, that's right. You listen to it on Thursday. Fuck you. This was recorded on a Wednesday. I tricked you. But yeah, today, the Xbox Series X is officially one one years of old. Isn't that amazing to think that this thing's been out on the market for over for a full year now and you still can't find one anywhere. You still don't have any real Xbox Elite games available for it. It's just, uh, it's crazy, man. A full year has gone by and I feel like literally nothing's happened, but here we are. It is the Xbox Series X's birthday. And I'm just looking at mine thinking how much I love it, how much, uh, I've wasted another year of my life. And God, we're still doing this. All right, guys, welcome to Xbox On. It's the show each and every week where you say, man, I I sure wonder what's going on in the world of Xbox. And I go, well, let me tell you what's on the Taco Bell menu. So first things first, I want to kick off this week by saying a very special congrats to the team over at Playground Games for the release of Forza Horizon 5, a little game you may have uh, heard about. I know if people are losing their collective shit over this game, it seems like. Um, I think people are just really fucking hungry for some next-gen content, that is, is all, but uh, that's not to downplay what a great game Forza Horizon 5 is, and, and we'll get into that in just a little bit, but... Yeah, Forza Horizon Five, uh, it's it's out. It's playable. It's awesome. Uh, I've played a little bit of it, and I enjoyed very much my time with it. Cannot wait to get back to more of it. But I will say, God, it just seems like the uh, the the crowd is really coming out in full force for Forza Horizon this time. And oh, you love to see it, Xbox. You do, you sure do. So, real big congratulations to them. Obviously, a big project. Biggest game, I, honestly, this probably is the biggest game on next-gen consoles right now. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's exciting, right? It's exciting. We've just, we just talked about, a second ago, Xbox Series X is a year old, and then the same breath, also, you know, with one day to spare, they managed to get out a awesome next-gen game for the Xbox Series X, in, in, without it hitting a year old, without a single, you know, big game like that, so... Congrats! Not to downplay all the other great games that have come out over the year, but let's be honest—we're waiting for those those uh, first-party big AAA hitters, and and here's here's one of them. So it's been a minute, it's an exciting moment, but we'll we'll jump more into that game in a little bit. But I did want to also just mention real quick: Phil Spencer tweeting out, as he always does, uh, with the launch of uh, you know, first first-party titles like this. Over four point five plus million players so far across cloud console and PC. Uh, with Forza Horizon 5, so, and and the game already broke well over a million players before it even came out through the people who just uh, bought the premium edition to get early access to the game, so the game is doing extraordinarily well out the gate, it's performing well, both player-wise and in terms of performance, it's not a buggy broken mess as most games are these days, so it just seems like everyone's jumping in and finding a really, really awesome Fully fleshed out, fun, driving experience. And, I don't know, it's, it's cool. Like, everyone just seems happy for a minute. So, I kind of want to keep the peace. But I think we're going to disrupt it a little bit when we get to the what I've been playing. But that's a, that's a little tease for things to come. Until then, guys, we got to follow the run of show. There is a format. There's a way in which we do things here. We're not a bunch of fucking heathens just running around whatever feels good. We have to follow the order. We have to follow the law here. So, the law dictates on Xbox On that we start the... Podcast out every week with a couple updates you didn't ask for, a couple of uh, little stories. We're not gonna get too far into, but things you know of of mild interest that might be worth uh, exploring for a moment at the top of the show. So let's get into all that. The first thing I wanted to mention, you guys, a little bit of a you know this is literally thirty seconds, so skip ahead if you don't give a shit about my stream. But uh, a little bit of a change to the stream schedule tomorrow, Thursday the eleventh, the day this podcast goes live. Will be the last time I do a Thursday stream for the foreseeable future. I've made the decision to end Thursday streams for now because, quite frankly, and I don't mean this to like be like, oh, I failed. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm giving up. But just quite frankly, like I, I've I stretched myself very thin between the podcast and streaming and trying to do YouTube and the streaming. Just quite quite honestly, hasn't picked up uh, the way I hoped it would. I've been doing it for like four months now. And honestly, if anything, the numbers have shrunk. And so that's that's not me like moping and complaining about it. I'm still, you know, dedicated this. So I want to give it my all. So Mondays, you know, the streams haven't changed a bit. But on Thursdays, I'm kind of taking that day back because I need a little more time in my schedule for other things, uh, namely working on YouTube videos because I haven't been able to get YouTube videos out at as fast a clip as I would like. So Thursdays are going to become a personal day to work on editing and putting together YouTube videos. So I just have a little more of a balanced schedule and I can get things in without, uh, sweating quite as much because it's just been, ai don't know. Like, it's not that I couldn't do it. It's just that there's not enough activity and growth from the stream for me to really warrant spreading myself so thin for something that isn't yielding any results. So I, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to like get, oh, poor me. It's just, uh. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'll be really transparent with you. Like this is the situation. This is what's going on. So it's not a big deal. It's nothing. Nothing bad. Um, But for now, it's just gonna be the Monday streams. So after this Thursday, after this week, going forward, it'll just be our regular Monday 8 p.m. Eastern time streams. And you know, maybe someday we'll bring back the Thursday stream, or we'll still have our sporadic. You know, every now and then streams on the occasional Saturday or Sunday. But, uh, yeah, just for, just for the time being, I, I just need a little more time in my schedule to work on YouTube videos, work on some other things, and this should allow for that. So, thank you for your understanding there. Now, guys, you know how this works every week. You say, Jesse, I love Xbox On. I want, I want to get involved in the show. How can I be a part of the show? Well, you're going to leave a comment. So now let's read our comments and shout outs from youtube.com, where you can go on youtube.com slash C slash second best, or sorry, slash C slash Xbox on podcast. <laughs> old habits die hard. What is it? Old habits die slow. Old habits die hard old habits live free and die hard anyway you know how it works you go over to youtube.com slash c slash xbox on podcast you click on the latest episode of the podcast maybe you even subscribe while you're there and you leave a comment on the latest episode saying something like jesse you can say something really nice like jesse i love forza horizon 5 i think it's a very fun game to play as an avid car enthusiast and a massive xbox fan i'm finding this game to be quite enjoyable it's scratching an itch Um, That has been needing some scratching for quite a while, and boy oh boy does it look great on my 4K TV. Keep up the great work. See you next week. Great comment. Thanks. Super nice. Great all around. You could also leave an asshole comment, like Jesse. Forza is the dumbest walking simulator ever. My favorite walking simulator is Gone Home. I love walking in that game, but why the fuck would you make a walking simulator called Forza Horizon if you don't even get to get on foot and do any walking? That's right. Lightning McQueen never leaves his car in this game. It's a stupid game. It's fucking broken. And by the way, forgot to mention this the past 126 weeks, but uh, your podcast sucks. And I'll be like, whoa, I'm going to read that to everyone. And that's kind of how that works, guys, so, you know, first comment here, let me let me give you a little example of what we got from our comments. A little someone by the name of Count Sc- 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 Yella writes in and says, If you were in charge of creating menu items at a fast food chain, what food abomination would you create? That's a fantastic question. And, of course, immediately the first thing that popped into mind was... A Philly cheesesteak Wrap Supreme at Taco Bell. I love this idea. I love this idea so much. My, my idea and your idea. Just throwing around uh, made-up fast food items that we can put in any fast food restaurant. I want to open this question to the audience. Please write in and play along with with myself and Count Skyla. If you could create any fast food item for any fast food restaurant, what restaurant would it be and what would the item be? Super fun one. I think a crunch wrap Supreme from Taco Bell... But instead of like beef, sour cream, cheese, lettuce and all that stuff and tomato, whatever, you put Philly cheesesteak. So it's your classic Crunchwrap Supreme with the crunchy shell in the middle and the tortilla star shaped wrap around. But the content in there is a gooey, ooey blend of I, I think you do some uh, provolone and an American mix, some uh, large hunks of steak in there, some onions, some peppers. Oh, boy. You make a special, like, burger slash Taco Bell hybrid sauce to dip that shit in. Oh, my God, you guys. Papadilla, step the fuck aside. The Philly Cheesesteak Crunchwrap Supreme is, uh, no pun intended, reigning supreme. Uh, So I think that would be a phenomenal uh, option right there. I also think maybe a Big Mac pizza. You know, you bring back the McPizza as as we talked about. Uh, many moons ago and maybe you combine it with a classic like McChicken Nuggets or or a Big Mac and you make the Big Mac McPizza. That one I think is less of a winner, but still something I would really enjoy seeing. I don't know. uh, What else would be a good one? I think, I don't know. Burger King likes to do absolutely abhorrent menu items, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we saw like a Burger King Takis. Oh, I know. Burger King's fucking gross as shit, so they would take that awful candy that no one likes those little malt and milk ball things uh, what are they? whoppers they would take wa- are those called whoppers or whoppers or Whopper? they're called wa- let's call them whoppers and they would take those and they would conflate it with the whopper which is the of course the burger that burger king is known for and they would just fucking put those things all over your goddamn whopper and it would be disgusting and everyone would hate it but it would be fitting because it would be burger king so that's 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 my final offer but the philly cheesesteak crunch wrap is is my main is my main contender now orbit nugget youtube writes in and says jesse i had the taco bell chicken sandwich thing i sat there on the toilet for an hour it was not fun i've never had taco bell but i will hopefully get used to it and that's and that's exactly the attitude to have orbit nugget is it, it obviously it sounds like your body is new to taco bell and it hasn't built the proper had uh, probably you probably haven't create the proper enzymes and everything to break down such high level uh, culinary. So what you need to do is eat Taco Bell, you know, start like twice a month, then once a week, then twice a week, and just kind of work your way up until your body has developed a high, high enough processing level to where it can handle a food as intricate and delicate and pristine as Taco Bell. And once you get there, you write back in, you let us know how it's going, Possibly at that point, you're so your body is so good at handling Taco Bell, and you're probably eating it exclusively seven days a week. You can probably just get rid of the toilet altogether. You know, install I don't know fucking install a uh, a Wii Fit balance board in your in your in your bathroom in place of you know where the toilet once stood. So that's probably something you could do at some point if you keep up the good work. But please do keep us up to date with how uh, Taco Bell and your and your digestive system continue to um, work together. Now also. Mavs Man points out that uh, Taco Bell is bringing back the grilled cheese burrito. Now, this is not something he commented in on, but Mavs Man did bring this to my attention via Twitter, and he, goddamn, he's correct. So Taco Bell this week announced they're bringing back—they're calling it the Double XL stuffed burrito, or I think they're calling it that again. That they had that years ago, but anyway, what it, what they're really bringing back is the grilled cheese burrito, where it's a steak stuffed rice, yummy whatever burrito. But the outside tortilla has cheese melted on top of it. And then the whole thing is kind of grilled a little bit. And it's kind of like a grilled cheese on the outside and a burrito on the inside. And oh my God, they had these things around this time last year. And I ate like a hundred of them. I like this was right before I started counting my calories and trying to lose weight. I cannot believe I didn't weigh even more than I already weighed before I started trying to lose weight. Uh, At the start of this year because I ate so many of these goddamn things last year at the end of last year the grilled cheese burrito there were times where I would just on my lunch break pop into a Taco Bell and grab two of these bad boys and then like maybe a maybe a Chalupa or Crunchwrap to go with it. Holy fuck that must have been like a 3000 calorie lunch and I I, I just didn't even think anything of it back then because I was just like whatever man as long as you have a penis and you pump iron you'll lose weight right but no apparently you got to watch what you put in your body apparently. So, I won't be going as hard on them this, this year, but you can bet your sweet tush that I'm going for a grilled cheese burrito very soon. So, Mazman, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Uh, audience, what are you doing listening to this fucking podcast? Get in your goddamn Hyundai accent and, and get to the Taco Bell drive-thru pronto, which is Spanish for now, you motherfucker. Now, Strictly Gaming wrote in and says, Just caught up on the past two podcasts as life got in the way like it does. But I wanted to write in about finding time to play games, as you mentioned a few weeks ago. I have two kids. I work 50 hours a week, and I also play football on weekends. And I got a house and a wife, too. And I still find time to play at least 10 to 20 hours a week, even if that means staying up late some evenings. I believe if you enjoy something and it's what you do to relax, then you will make the time to do them thing make the time to do those things. Also, have you played the new Call of Duty yet? If so, what do you think? Keep up the great work. We'll get to that Call of Duty comment in a minute when we get to the one I've been playing. So, spoilers, you know, a little tease there, but to go over the entirety, you know, the the main gist of your comment here strictly gaming. I just got to say, who the fuck do you think you are coming into this podcast knowing damn well that I'm not married. I don't own a house. I don't even know how to play football. I, I don't got no kids. And I barely have any time to play video games. And here you are bragging about what a perfect life you, you got. Strictly gaming, more like strictly perfect life. Because you're just you're just up here comp- like bragging to all of us about how amazing your life is. We get it. We get it. You wake up every fucking morning and there's uh, a cornucopia of, of young little cupids with bows uh, playing the harp. And, and you stretch your arms like a little princess and get up out of bed and walk out. And there's a beautiful continental breakfast laid out on your table. And you, you know you have a robot assistant that goes, "Good morning, Strictly Gaming," and tells you all about your your plans for the day and your meetings. And you go to your amazing job where you're so valued and so important. And everyone's like, "Oh, Strictly Gaming is here. Let's uh, let's all give him some time while he goes in his important quote unquote meeting." Wink, wink. And then you go in your office where, of course, it's on the fiftieth floor of a very special building that's probably uh, um, a billion dollars in rent a, a month because your goddamn company's so special, and you just get to play video games in your executive suite slash office slash oval office thing for hours on end before you teleport home because you're just too good for traffic and your your beautiful wife uh, greets you at the door and says, honey, I'm so glad you're home. I made you, uh, Jesse's favorite bowl of ramen. And then you eat my favorite soup that I don't have access to because I assume my favorite bowl of ramen's from somewhere I I don't have access to. And then your beautiful children who definitely don't look like inbred kids come up to you and say, daddy's home. And you go out back and you're, 12-acre land, and you toss the pigskin, and, of course, you got the throwing arm of a goddamn quarterback, assuming quarterbacks throw the ball. I really, honest to God, don't know how football works. And all the while, you know I'm just here renting. Yeah, I got a girlfriend, but we ain't married. Yeah, I got a cat, but she's not biological. And you're just bragging all the while about your amazing life. Strictly gaming. Don't ever let me find out. You're two weeks behind on the podcast again. I don't give a shit if life gets in the way. You make time for this fucking podcast. Uh, Thanks for writing in, buddy. Headhunting Halo writes in and says, Jesse, I have to disagree with you, brother. Uh, The Mages Guild in Skyrim is the best guild. Keep discovering Skyrim. You haven't seen anything yet. Keep exploring and having fun. The map you were talking about from Halo 5, that's kind of like streets. It's called Plaza. Yes, that's it you non-veteran Halo player. Also, I believe they will release this early on Friday. Strictly campaign only, which will work best. Grind that story and then pop the servers. Bam, strictly multiplayer from here on out. It's a lot of that out of context commenting there, sir, but you say, keep up the great work, Jesse. Give the kitty kisses for me and I hope we can meet one day. You seem like a cool dude. I don't love you. I'm in love with you. Lol, have a great weekend. Read more. Y- YouTube says read. He- he's not telling me to read more. YouTube has the option to click Read more to see more of the comment, but that's actually the end of the comment. Headhunting Halo. I hope we meet one day. But more important than that, I gotta tell you, I'm starting to stress a little bit about Skyrim because I'm loving Skyrim. I still have the itch to play. I want to play, but I am like equally distracted by three games at the same time right now. And this is all coming to a head as we fast approach Halo Infinite. And something's gotta happen here because once Halo Infinite comes out, all bets are off. I'm not playing nothing else. Fuck you. If you're, not, if you're not called Halo Infinite, you're not on the list. You ain't getting into Club Jesse's free time, okay? Uh, Way of the Lauer writes in and says, Hey, bro, what you doing? Hey, I'm really digging the community, man. Hoping to be playing some games later on with you guys online. I wanted to talk to you about the fact that Xbox Series X and S does have the option to upgrade the internal SSD. Is it really that big a deal? Or does it really not make a lot of... Th- uh, difference hooked up to an M.2 MVE external drive instead of internally. I think this is a great topic of discussion. No one cares about Maybe it's not. Personally, I like the new Call of Duty, but bear in mind, I don't regularly play COD. Keep it real, bro. Way to allow. Getting a little technical here, and you know I'm not a technical guy, but lucky for you, I actually know a couple tiny bits of information about SSDs. And I will say, Xbox One didn't have upgradable internal storage at all the entire generation, and it was not a problem. In fact, The only Xbox that ever had this option was the Xbox 360, and it was just because you could pop off the old drive from the head of the console and pop in the new one, you know? So is this a problem? No. Now, of course, what you're talking about is, specifically for the Series X and S, the whole SSD, because it's not like you can just use any old hard drive like you could with previous Xboxes, and they all more or less do the same shit. With the SSD, we're talking, of course, about performance differences and how certain games require special SSDs in order to be stored onto them and how this is going to become a bigger problem as we continue through the generation and you're not wrong but no I I don't I don't think this is a big deal I think I think as long as you have yeah as you say an M.2 and NVMe drive externally you're fine I played the whole Xbox One generation with a giant Western Digital 2 terabyte hard drive externally attached to my console It just sat behind the TV, I never saw it, it was out of sight, out of mind, and it just gave me a ton of storage, and it was whatever. Is it great for portability? No, but I never moved my Xbox. I know maybe for some people that's a thing, but let's be honest, if you're moving your console a lot, if you're traveling and bringing like your Series S with you or something like that, chances are you don't need more than 500 gigabytes of storage to really, you know, store whatever game you're going to be playing on the go, because you're not going to be playing two terabytes worth of content you're probably just gonna be playing like a game or two while you travel so i don't see the problem in the external drive is it the most attractive looking and elegant solution no but it's quick it's easy it's cost effective i think for 99 percent of people it works well and then of course you always got those little sticks if you want to spend a, a boatload of money on expanding your storage that way so way to allow i'm sorry if you were hoping for more but i really don't have more to say on that mr miggy the one and only writes in and says, I just put my V60 in its dual screen case. So it's like a budget surface duo, but it runs great. Of course, you're talking about your LG V60. Also, I had my Domino's and then I, my cousin brought some Pizza Hut the next day. So my cravings have been covered. Of course, Mr. Mickey, as you all have probably been well aware of, probably been on the edge of your seat wondering about, was craving pizza, but is no longer craving pizza. So Mr. Miggy. Little round of applause for you. Now, rounding out the comments this week, my brother writes in, says, I really hope the next id game is Quake. We got awesome Doom and Wolfenstein games. Now, revive Quake. Also, Quake had a a medieval meets Lovecraft vibe. The first one did anyway. Only in the second did it get all sci fi. Oh, and also, okay. So I get this whole avatar interacting with people stuff uh, with Microsoft Mesh and meetings or whatever, but the real question is, if your avatar dies in the real world, do you die? And the answer to that is, we can only hope, but yeah, I dude, it's got to be Quake, right? It's got to be working on Quake. What else could it be? Why would you go through all the trouble, of, oh, we brought back Wolfenstein, oh, we brought back Doom, but like, yeah, fuck Quake. Quake Champions, it's a cool game. It's not a proper revival of Quake. I think you gotta do a campaign multiplayer full deal, kinda like Doom, for Quake. And, uh, I won't rest until we get it. So, id, don't let me find out you're making some fucking, um, I don't know, Tom Clancy's The Division when we asked for Quake. Don't let me find out. You've been developing the wrong game for the wrong publisher. Because you might get in some trouble for that. All right, guys. That's going to do it for all of our comments this week. For, for next week. Remember, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, i got to tell you about, actually, we missed something. So let me circle back for a minute. Some things at the top of the show I totally fucking missed. So we'll get into the I've been playing, what I've been eating, but real fast. There was an IGN Unfiltered this week. Uh, IGN Unfiltered is a podcast hosted by Ryan McCaffrey, the Xbox guy over at IGN, uh, who does great work. And he does these interviews every now and then, usually every month or so, where he sits down with really notable, prominent people in the games industry and has awesome discussions. And this week, for the second time on the show, he had Todd Howard. And I had the pleasure of listening to this um, episode today on my uh, commute home from work, actually, as I sat in an hour and a half of fucking traffic while Floridians found out whether or not their cars could exceed speeds of seven miles an hour. And you know what? It's a, it's a really compelling interview, and a couple of good little bits of information came out of it. But the thing I want to just mention is, well, obviously, one, you should listen to the interview. It's excellent. And two, I just want to mention this this uh, this quote. From Todd Howard in regards to, you know, obviously we're working on Starfield now and then Elder Scrolls 6. Where the fuck does that put a hypothetical sequel to Fallout 4? And on that discussion, Todd Howard said, Fallout is really a part of our DNA here at Bethesda. We've worked with other people from time to time and I can't say what's going to happen. But, you know, we have a one pager on Fallout 5 on what we want to do with it. Now, this was in regards to the Ryan had floated the idea of Have you ever thought about you know now that now that uh, Inexile and Obsidian and guys like that are in the fold with Microsoft and you're in the fold with Microsoft Would there be any potential for a team like that to take on Fallout and maybe make a Fallout Five? And basically, his response was that you know Fallout's something they're kind of keeping in the family and it's something they think about you know the next game they're going to do. But no, it's at this point in time, it's a Bethesda project. He also says Fallout 5 is probably not going to come out anytime, you know, soon with Elder Scrolls 6 being next on the docket. He said, "Again, if I could wave a magic if I could wave my hand and have that out, I would, you know. I'd like to find a way to accelerate what we do, but I can't really say today or commit to anything what's going to happen other than to say that our Cadence is Starfield and then Elder Scrolls 6, which means that seemingly Fallout 5 is at least another 6-7 years out minimum." meaning that by the time it finally does come out, we'll probably be about 12 to 15 years removed from the release of the latest Fallout uh, main entry game, which is, of course, Fallout 4, uh, which released in the fall of 2015. So just want to put that out there. I think it's kind of crazy. Now, Todd Howard does get into this interview a little bit on the whole. Yes, Bethesda works, Bethesda Game Studios, works in a one game at a time kind of capacity in terms of like, you know, right now their project is Starfield, then next it's Elder Scrolls, then they'll go back to Fallout But he did mention how it's not that we don't work on more than one game at a time. It's that mostly the focus is on one game uh, where, you know, different teams will work on different aspects of different games at any given time. But it seems like for the most part, you know, their focus is the cadence in which these games will release. It, It will be something to the effect of this franchise, then this franchise, then this franchise repeat this franchise and this you know kind of like what we were getting for a while where it was elder scrolls fallout elder scrolls fallout now we're kind of getting a call of duty situation where they're adding a third player into the mix but instead of a third developer it's a a third uh, property with that being starfield now being added to the fallout elder scrolls rotation so not much to say other than Fallout five probably a long ways away but a really good interview something i highly recommend you take a look at um also speaking of skyrim while we're there uh, the anniversary edition, which comes out the day you're listening to this sh- this show, finally got some pricing information on that. So, if you're digitally downloading the anniversary edition on Xbox or PC, it's 50 bucks digitally. But if you already own this Skyrim special edition, which came out in 2016, it's only a $20 upgrade to get the anniversary edition. So, it's not a full $60 for this whatsoever, only 50 bucks. You get all the content from all the previous releases and everything, plus new shit. And it's only 20 bucks if you're upgrading from having the previous special edition. So, not terrible pricing there. You get all the anniversary edition content, the 500 pieces of content the creation, from the Creation Club, fishing, all that good shit. And uh, also, something important to, to note, owners of Skyrim Special Edition uh, will be getting a next-gen upgrade for the game, which will optimize it with enhanced graphics, faster load times, and more. So... Another important thing to just kind of note since that information had been withheld for way too long. But with that out of the way, a little impromptu message there. Oh, one last thing. <laughs> this is another like, s- sorry, there's just a lot of shit to get out of the way at the top of the show this week. But one last thing. As a reminder, 30 seconds, as a reminder for those of you who listen to the podcast via Castbox, this is your final warning. Starting next week, I will no longer mention this. But if you are subscribed to Xbox On through Castbox, podcast service double check your subscription because i've been accidentally uploading the podcast through two feeds and i'm fixing that as of next week so after this week's episode i will only be uploading the podcast to the main podcast feed so how do you find out if you're subscribed to the wrong podcast feed well starting next week you will no longer get automatic episodes of this show Pushed your Castbox subscription. So, all you got to do is search up Xbox on in Castbox, find the other feed where I'm still uploading and subscribe to that one. It's as easy as that. The show's not going away. It's not missing its launch date. It's not missing anything. We're just consolidating the feed so there's no redundancy. But this is the final time I'm going to mention that for people who subscribe and listen to the show through Castbox. That is for you. There's like six or seven of you out there, and I don't want to leave a single one behind. So, thank you for that, guys. And with that out of the way, back to the normal track of the show comments are done all the top of the show shit is done guys we've already said so much in so little time but with that out of the way I want to tell you all about what I've been playing this this week but before I can tell you about Forza Horizon 5 and all these great games I gotta tell you about what I've been eating guys remember last week I was ranting and bitching and moaning about how hard it is to find good Chinese takeout here in Orlando Florida well problem mostly solved guys. My girlfriend and I were in a little town here in Central Florida in the Orlando area called Claremont, Florida. It is a place that exists. It has a relatively large amount of traffic, and there's not a whole lot going on around there. It's not a very pretty place. I don't even know why you'd even want to be there, but hey, they have homes for sale, and we're trying to look for where we want to move one day because, God damn it, the American dream is to one day own land. I don't know why it's always been that way, but hell I'm just playing the game. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Anyway, we were up in the Claremont area and I found myself a Chinese restaurant and I found myself a little Chinese takeout restaurant here in Claremont, Florida. And I said, you know what? How much worse could it get? So I looked this place up, it had surprisingly good reviews, and I thought to myself, well, Floridians don't know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to food, apparently, because these motherfuckers be all up in fucking uh, Miller's Ale House every day like it's special shit. So I look it up, and the food looks good, I see pictures of the menu, holy shit, what do I find? I finally discovered a Chinese takeout restaurant in Orlando that has regular Chinese takeout prices, no more $15 lo mein. We're talking your classic $8 entrees, Chinese takeout style, the way God intended it to be. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the pictures look legit. The prices look legit. People giving it good reviews. We're in the area. Whatever. Let's give it a try. So for the second week in a row, we try some Chinese takeout. I have low, low, low expectations. My my expectations are lower than than the cost of getting in on, on this on the Shiba coin right now. Let me tell you what. And boy oh boy, was I surprised. Guys, it's called China Gourmet. Let me give you their address so you can look it up to all zero of you this applies to. Their address is 1714 US Highway 27, store number 20, Claremont, Florida, zip code 34714. Please do yourself a favor. Look it up on Google. Look it up on Yelp. Leave a five-star review for them without even trying their food. This place is great. Is it the best Chinese food I've ever had? No. But... It is Chinese takeout. It is what you expect. The price is, is right. The store looks exactly like what you expect. The people are super sweet, and their food, even sweeter. That's right. They put sugar on everything. This place is so goddamn yummy in my tummy. I got the chicken lo mein, the sweet and sour chicken, the egg rolls, but we this is the thing. This is the one thing they got wrong. We tried the beef chow fun, and it was a little bit of a letdown. It wasn't bad. Especially for the price. It definitely wasn't bad for the price. For 8 bucks an entree, I ain't complaining. You know, I'll I'll say we're good. But I've had better beef chow fun even here in Orlando. Now, the better place charges way too much fucking money for it. $15 a goddamn Chinese takeout. A little entree? No fucking way. What do you think this is? Walt Disney World? No. Get in line, baby. But this place, you know, $8 is a little disappointing, but not bad. Everything else on the menu, though, good shit. 10 out of 10, tell your friends, literally just like, I don't know if you have it on your phone or not, but download Snapchat. Start following random girls from high school that definitely don't want you to talk to them and start sending them Snapchats of this food that you ordered from a Chinese restaurant called China Gourmet. Trust me, they're going to love it. They're not going to think you're weird. They're probably going to ask you if you want to start dating. It's a whole thing. It's absolutely worth your time. Guys, China Gourmet in Claremont, Florida. I'm so happy. I have finally found a a little out of the way not really close by but you know not too too far i'm okay with driving to go to get this place's chinese takeout i'm okay with passing three or four other overpriced mediocre chinese takeout restaurants if it means i get to have this chinese takeout food so china gourmet props to you you guys have earned yourself a loyal customer that you probably don't want but thank you anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna eat your food going forward and that is a promise i'm making to you now You got to be thinking to yourself, Jesse, all this Chinese takeout, clearly you must be craving a cheeseburger as a fat-ass American, aren't you? Well, you're not wrong. So the next day, what do I do? Well, we're in a different neighborhood again looking at houses and shit like that because american dream is to own land for some fucking reason now we find ourselves at this place off the international drive i'm not gonna i'm not gonna belabor the point too much with this one it's a little more straightforward it's not a local restaurant i don't really give a shit about pimping them out you either you try it or you don't these places are apparently all over the country although i've never heard of them until until this time but it's called Muya. you ever heard of shake shack you ever heard of five guys Ever heard of Burgerfy? Ever heard of Farm Burger? Ever heard of any of these like little gourmet order at the counter, put your fucking table number on the on your put your little number card on your table and they bring out your food to you kind of place? Yes. It's another one of those type places. It's Nothing special in concept. But the food is dank. Now, Shake Shack good? Oof, I don't know. Shake Shack is some fucking god tier. Shake Shack is like if Xbox was the most powerful console in the world and it brought Windows Phone back from the dead. So, Shake Shack is pretty hard to top I don't want to compare it to that but Muya is damn good decent prices fucking awesome burgers they use the potato bun for the as the bread thank god they don't use the fucking sesame seed bun they use the potato bread because they are not heathens they are not delinquents they're not fucking nazis they're not sadists these are regular burger loving individuals who know what kind of bun you're going to use on a on a on a, on a crafty burger so burgers are good there the fries they're good. They're thin and salty and yummy instead of beefy and potatoey for no goddamn reason. They got a yummy uh, green chili queso sauce you get to dip your fries in, which is a double bonus because cheese and their milkshakes are delicious. We had a cookie uh, a cookie dough milkshake that we shared. And guess what? It, it wasn't like that kind of milkshake that's like, I'm going to tear up your stomach and, and make you spend the rest of your weekend on the toilet. No, this is one of those milkshakes that says, I respect a man's free time so you should be able to drink me and still spend the rest of the weekend playing call of duty on the couch without any worry of having of having a, a potty attack and i appreciate that so muya good on ya great pretty pretty good food pretty good uh, all around spot check it out if you got one near you they're they're popping up all over the country apparently we just got one here in orlando i'm i'm a pretty decent fan of it i'll probably be back some i'm not like itching to go back but like Not bad. uh, China Gourmet though, oh boy. You got me, baby. You got me. Now, guys, that's it for what I've been playing or eating, right, and you're thinking to yourself right now, well, if that's what he's been eating, just imagine what he's been playing, and well, imagine no more, because I've been playing. Forza Horizon 5, duh. Call of Duty Vanguard, maybe not so much a duh, and a little bit more Skyrim as I struggle to find free time to play any of these games. Guys, before I tell you about what I think of these games, let me read you a little comment a double a double penetration if you will chicago gamer 420 writes in and says hey jesse i've been been a bit silent since i last wrote in Love loving the show just haven't had much time to contribute today i am breaking my silence to say this call of duty vanguard is a great game i can't believe the turnaround time for beta the beta was bad curious if you tried it at all if you'll be streaming it playing it with the listeners cheers from illinois okay first of all move to Florida." because that's where China Gourmet is, so fuck Illinois. Uh, Chicago Gamer, thank you for writing in. Thank you so much for writing in, because I'm glad you said it, because now I can say what I gotta say, and if anyone throws me any shade, I'll point the finger to you. Guys, I caved. What can I say? Like a a cave of wonders from Disney's Aladdin, the 92 version, not the live-action one. I cave of wonders and bought Call of Duty Vanguard. Jesse, why did you buy Vanguard? You said you weren't gonna buy Vanguard, or you said you were gonna wait for a sale, or you said you said you were a Black Ops guy, so why the fuck are you buying non-Black Ops Call of Duty? Shut up. Here's what happened. Treyarch is making the zombies, so I was inherently intrigued by that. Earlier you said, the zombies mode sucks, it's so disappointing, and I said, wow, everyone universally hating on the zombies mode makes me almost just as curious to play this game as everyone loving the zombies mode, so that was a big draw for me. And then the day the game came out, I wake up, I'm scrolling around my phone, or I guess it was the day after it came out, whatever, and I'm seeing everyone online talking about the game, and apparently, I'm just now finding this out, they did what in multiplayer? Well, they remade two of the best multiplayer maps from Call of Duty World at War, the best Call of Duty ever made, and they brought them into Call of Duty Vanguard, updated them, made them look even prettier, and boom, they're available to play. So I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. You're telling me that on the Xbox Series X, I can play a World War II Call of Duty game where my where my primary weapon is the Type 100, which is the best gun ever made, coolest gun ever made, and I can be running around on dome or castle maps from Call of Duty World at War but rendered in beautiful 4K running at 60 FPS or 120 FPS in performance mode. What? Ray tracing is available? And I said, well, fuck it. Zombies apparently sucks, but it has glimpses of Shinonuma from World at War. Multiplayer is apparently surprisingly good and it has a couple World at War maps and campaigns probably shit, but who cares? So I caved and I downloaded the game and I thought to myself the whole 60 minutes while this game was downloading, I'm going to regret this, I'm going to regret this, I'm going to regret this. I don't regret it. I don't regret it. Let me be honest with you. And we're going to get to Forza Horizon 5. But and I want to talk about Forza Horizon 5 first because it's an Xbox podcast, it's an Xbox first party game, but you've got to talk about Vanguard first before you can talk about Forza Horizon 5 because it, it's all tying into my narrative. There's a whole fucking symphony in my head, you're just too stupid to see how beautiful this is going to be, so just goddamn wait in your tiny little chair, you dumb idiot, I'm getting there. Okay, anyway, uh, where was I? Oh yes, myself. Call of Duty Vanguard is surprisingly great. Chicago Gamer, I will agree with you. I had... Very low expectations of this game, especially considering this is a Sledgehammer Call of Duty game where, you know, I, I've i played all the Sledgehammer games and my takeaway is uh Advanced Warfare, zombies and multiplayer were bad, but the campaign was good, not great. It wasn't Modern Warfare or Black Ops good, but it was fine for what it was. It was good. It was a fun time. Call of Duty World War II, their second cod game the one they released in 2017 terrible campaign so fucking boring literally the only call of duty campaign i've ever played that i could not finish it was so boring multiplayer that had the worst map design super boring layouts super boring everything and that obnoxious destiny kind of like hub world that made the game super slow to get in and out of not fun at all and then their nazi zombie mode they did which had a super awesome looking aesthetic and try to do this like return to form thing for zombies but god damn it just didn't have the Treyarch special sauce it was not fun it did not have the magic it did not click for me at all and ended up ultimately being super boring so you got infinite warfare which has only a decent campaign you got world war II, which is pretty much just a tire stinker of a package altogether and then vanguard I have no expectations I thought the beta was whatever I thought some of the maps in the beta absolutely sucked. I have so I'm so pleasantly surprised to get to relay this to you. But Call of Duty Vanguard, I don't know why they did this. The game has 16 maps, which is a great number of maps, a, very, a lot of content. And for some reason, Sledgehammer made the executive decision to put only the worst maps in the game in the beta. So if you played the beta and thought, I didn't think it was fun, let me tell you something. They only put the worst that the game has to offer in the beta because all the maps that weren't in the beta are fucking great. This game's got really good maps and I'm surprised I'm saying that because World War II had, not the war, but the video game World War II, had terrible map design. Sledgehammer did a a 4 out of 10 job with the maps in that game. So I am so surprised that I'm here telling you today they did a great job with the maps in this game. I really, really like the maps quite a bit. Um, so great maps tons of them the gunplay feels really good a lot more refined and and finely tuned from the beta in my opinion it feels like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 but with way better maps and what I'm realizing is the maps are a lot of what I hated about Modern Warfare 2019 when it came out I loved that game's uh, campaign I loved a lot about the game but I found the multiplayer to be so sweaty and so miserable and this is what I've, I've realized this week is that Modern Warfare's problem was that it had very big maps and very low time to kill. So it was just this thing of like you run around and then some sweaty ass kid sniping in the corner just gets you and you get you die from nowhere and that's it. And then you gotta run around and try to find someone. The great thing about Call of Duty Vanguard is they have this new thing called Blitz Mode where you can change the pace it's the same multiplayer. So domination, team deathmatch, free-for-all, whatever it is you want to play, but you select the pacing that you want. So you can pick either a tactical pace, so there are fewer players, so it's more like tactical, the way you find and attack enemies. You can find like a more steady pacing, so it's like classic balancing of number of players. Or you can do what they now call Blitz mode, which is where they just shove way too many fucking players in every game, and it scales depending on the map. If it's a small map, they'll do like 12v12. If it's a big map, they'll do like 20v20. And it's just a regular multiplayer map with way too many people on the field, and it's fucking glorious it is so good for call of duty because that's the whole thing about call of duty it's just this game of like hide and seek you run around aimlessly you find someone you shoot them they die way too fucking fast or someone shoots you and you die way too fucking fast but the respawn time is so instant in call of duty that you just keep going and that works so well for this blitz mode because it's like It's like you spawn in immediately. There's just like five guys in your face. You're just like shooting all these fuckers. Like, oh, you're dead. You're dead. Oops, I'm dead. But then you just hit X and you spawn instantly and you're just back in the action. So it's like there's zero time to get into the game. There's zero time to find someone to fight. There's zero time to respawn. It's just so much action and fun and stupidity in your face so instantaneously. And I really thought I was going to get bored of this, but goddamn, dude, I've played like 20 hours of the multiplayer already this over this past weekend, and I am not even remotely tired of it. Like, I I still very much crave to go back and play it, and, and this is where you're starting to see my problems. I'm still into Skyrim. I really want to finish that main quest line. But I'm also incredibly addicted to this game's multiplayer. It's super fucking fun. And then we'll get into forts in a minute. And then that how that's a problem. So that's the multiplayer. The multiplayer is great. It also has that new, whatever it's called. Fuck it. I forget the name of it. The new mode that's like all unique to this game. I can't believe I'm blanking on it right now. Usually I don't like those kind of sweaty or more um, competitive modes. but Or Champion Hill. That's what's called. But I'm, I enjoyed it quite a bit playing with my brother and my nephew over the weekend. They kind of carry me. But I surprisingly had fun in that mode. Uh, when I normally don't like those more competitive sweaty modes like gunfight. But yeah, it was very, very strong multiplayer. I'm very much loving this. Now, as for campaign, I've only played like the first two and a half hours of the campaign. It's a short campaign. The campaign is definitely the weak spot of Call of Duty Vanguard. I haven't finished it yet, so I won't give you all my thoughts. But I will just say real quick, the, the girl, the Russian sniper girl... Her level is pretty fucking cool. Her story is really interesting. Her intro sequence is very cool, very cinematic. And I'm mildly interested in like the overall cinematic moments of the game that kind of happen in between levels. But oh my god, all the other characters are so incredibly boring. There's so much of this like weird, like alt history, like trying to like, I don't know. I, I don't I don't mean to like make fun of it this way, but I just find it to be a little bit of a turn off that. This game feels like it's very much like a knee-jerk response to like a lot of the social and political movements going on today, but using World War II as like a method to tell that kind of political story. And it's not that like I hate it because I hate that political message. It's that it just doesn't feel very authentically World War II. And I get that they're going for an alt history here. So it's like whatever, have have your story, you can do what you want, but it doesn't resonate and work for me personally. So this whole, I, I don't know, they're... It, it very much feels like a very mainstream kind of social and political commentary and kind of 2021 take on, like, fascism and Nazis and World War II and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's fine, but I I don't know. I feel like this game totally doesn't know how to tell, like, a menacing and scary and really real and gritty World War II story. And then again, I'm also just so incredibly tired of watching developers, especially Sledgehammer now twice in a row, fuck up this incredibly easy setting and time period for great storytelling. Like, I don't need another goddamn story about Americans and British people and French people and Germans and Russians in the World War II. I don't care about Americans and Europeans. Like, tell us a fucking story about World War II from the perspective of anyone else. God damn it, dude. Like, dude, thank, thank God for World at War. It was the only World War II game I can think of that dared to even mention the Pacific Theater. Like, oh my God. Like, do you remember the fact that Japan was involved in this war? Because that's kind of the coolest setting to, to do World War II. in. like, I'm so tired of, like, the ruined, like, Germany kind of, like, look and the fucked up Russia look. I'm so tired of it. At some point, it's just like, yeah, we get it. It looks like every World War II game ever but no, Sledgehammer couldn't resist making the same fucking mistake by telling yet another story about Westerners in the same war, blah, 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 blah. It's just, um, I don't know. The campaign's definitely not doing it for me. I don't, I, I'm going to see it through the end. It's very short. Apparently, it's only like five hours long. So I'm going to see it through the end. Uh, but I'm very unimpressed with the campaign right now. And then finally, that leaves Zombies. Zombies, I'm gonna. I'm shocked I'm going to say this because I'm such a Zombies purist. I, I, I like the classic Zombies more than anything. I was one of the people who was a little weird about Black Ops 3 and 4 Zombies at first and kind of came around to them later. But I got to be honest with you, as much as this Zombies mode is incredibly half-baked, missing tons of content... And definitely a massive departure from the zombies formula. I don't love it. I I'm I don't even necessarily like it, but I don't hate it nearly as much as everyone else does. People are really shitting on this a lot, and I think deservedly so. But I personally am having a kind of fun time playing it anyway. It's not great. It's missing it's like it's missing like pack-a-punch camos and like some really simple stuff. It doesn't have round-based gameplay. The zombies are too slow. It takes way too long for the action to kind of ramp up and, and get heated. It's not great, but it's still kind of fun. Like I still think it's fun enough for like grinding camos and, and skins and ranking guns and things like that. So I'm all for it with the understanding that likely Treyarch's next, you know, future zombie content for this game is all going to be free to download and all probably going to be more traditional with like classic wave ba- wave based zombies maps. So Knowing that is almost definitely what we're in for with future content for this game, I'm kind of okay with this, although I probably shouldn't be. But I don't know. I like, I like Zombies, despite zombies being my favorite part of Call of Duty, I actually have the least amount to say about zombies in this game. I, I just think it is technically mediocre, but still kind of fun for me. And I think things will get a lot better with the future content. Although you should never buy a brand new $70 game with the promise of future content making up for lackluster launch content. So don't think I'm justifying that. I think people are are pretty much in the right for being upset about this. But I just want to say overall, you know, campaign not great. Zombies disappointing. But let's be honest. 99% of white people play Call of Duty is for the multiplayer. And the multiplayer in Vanguard is really fucking strong. It's very good. Is very good. There are some things that need tweaking. MP40 is super OP. There are some spawn issues for sure. Um, I have my gripes with the game. Don't get me wrong. It's not my favorite Call of Duty game. I'm still. I think Cold War was a lot better, especially overall, because Cold War had a kick-ass campaign and kick-ass zombies. But I, I think Vanguard's pretty damn good. You know, against the odds, people thought this was going to be the Call of Duty to end Call of Duty for whatever fucking reason. But it's no. It's pretty damn good multiplayer pretty damn good time. So that's that. So you're saying, God, Jesse, what about Forza? It's an Xbox podcast. Can we talk about the Xbox game that just came out? Well, so Forza Horizon 5, I did not get the deluxe content, so I didn't get to play the game four days early. So I just started playing the game yesterday on Tuesday when it came out. So I've only had about two hours to actually properly play the game. But I got to be honest, in the little internet bubble of following Xbox affiliated people and the Xbox community and all that. It just seems like this game is the biggest shit of all time. Like people are just blowing up over Forza Horizon 5. And I've just been seeing so much of it lately where people are like, oh my God, this game is incredible. Literally greatest racing game of all time. This game is 10 out of 10, super phenomenal. So fucking cool, amazing game. And it got me hyped a little bit. I was like, yeah, I'm excited to play some Forza. I I was going to play it anyway, but I'm excited to see what all the fuss is about. And I get in last night, I finally get to sit down and play it, and my takeaway from my, my short two hours with the game so far, and I'll get right back into it tomorrow when the podcast is over, we'll, we'll stream it tomorrow, but my initial takeaway from my two hours with it was, this is exactly more Forza Horizon, this is, if you took Forza Horizon 3 or Forza Horizon 4 and made more of it. Now, let me not take away from the game. It is, I don't I don't even know how they did it because Forza Horizon 4 is such a visually stunning fucking game to begin with. But yes, the game looks notably prettier than Forza Horizon 4. Don't know how, but they did it. The game looks so fucking beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Yes, the Mexico setting is stunning. I love it. I, I was already never too keen on the... On the UK setting, on the on the British setting for uh, Forza Horizon 4, because I thought it was just a little dull compared to something like Australia or now we got Mexico. And yeah, dude, Mexico is the perfect setting for Forza Horizon. I think this game has the potential to be the best Forza Horizon in my opinion. Personally, my favorite's always been three. I think five might be the best uh, once I get more time with it because goddamn, Mexico is so freaking beautiful to drive around and explore. Love it and. That being said, I got to say, (laughs) the game is more Forza Horizon, and that is, of course, a great thing. It is a very, very great thing, and I will spend dozens of hours playing this game. But I just don't understand how, you know, Forza Horizon's increasingly gotten more and more popular with every iteration. But I don't understand why with this game, with Forza Horizon 5, it just feels like Forza just finally blew up. Like everyone's like obsessed with it now. It's like, oh, yeah, Forza Horizon can't get enough of that. And I'm just left here saying, listen, I'm happy for for Playground and for Xbox. I want them to experience success. I want people to love their games and to enjoy them. I am so happy this game is getting the praise it deserves. I'm so happy Playground is getting the recognition they deserve. And I'm so happy people are playing and enjoying this game. That's literally all great stuff. But I'm a little confused because I'm like, what about this game is making it finally click and turn on for people in a way that 3 didn't or 4 didn't or 2 didn't? You know, if you go back far enough. And I don't, I don't get it. Maybe I just haven't played enough of the game yet. Like, and and again, it sounds like I'm being down on it. I'm not like knee jerk reaction. It's excellent. Probably the best Forza ever. If Forza is already my favorite racing series. So probably one, one of the best, if not the best racing game ever made. Probably it's not a hard, it's not hard to fathom that playground is going to earn that, you know, that title with Forza Horizon because Forza Horizon is traditionally such a fucking great game. But I just, I can't help, but, but when I'm playing this game, ask myself, what is it that people didn't see before in Forza Horizon 3 and 4 that they suddenly see now in 5? And I, I can't help but wonder, is this a is this a thing of Forza Horizon 3 came out in an environment where it was fun to hate Xbox? Forza Horizon 4 came out in an environment where it was slightly less popular to or where it was slightly better, you know, to be a uh, Xbox fan, but still mostly, fuck Xbox, play PS4. Forza Horizon 5 is releasing in a a climate where it's like, dude, Xbox is turning around. Good for Xbox. Series X is fucking awesome. Wow, Game Pass is the greatest service of all time. Wow, play your games on PC. That's so fucking cool. Wow, stream your games through cloud. That's fucking awesome. So I feel like it's not that Forza went from a really great game to a god tier game, but more likely that it's like Xbox and its marketing and its brand went from like, kind of fuck xbox to kind of xbox is the cool cool guy on the block again that married with the fact that i think people are just super fucking hungry right now for next gen boundary pushing pushing content to play on their new xbox console so again i don't want to take away from what playgrounds created here and how special this game is and if people are really loving it that much that's great but Again, it's like God, wait, wait a minute, guys. I played two hours of this game already, and while that's definitely not enough to have a final verdict or anything, I definitely experienced enough of the game to be like, yeah, it's definitely more Forza Horizon. It's probably better than it was last time, but like, it's just Forza Horizon. Like so, and I'm saying this as someone who really, like really, really loves Forza Horizon. I just don't get why, you know, the conversation right now, the the big games that have come out in recent history. Call of Duty Vanguard and Forza Horizon 5. I don't understand how we live in a world where the attitude is, oh, fuck Call of Duty Vanguard. Call of Duty's so tired. It's just the same shit every year. It's the same fucking game. It's just Modern Warfare 2019 with World War II skins. So fucking stupid. Call of Duty is a game for kids. Why do people even play this shit? $70, what a waste of fucking money. The game's not worth $20. And then... Forza Horizon 5, which is just not a bad thing, but more Forza Horizon, and people are like, oh my God, this is the first must-play next-gen title. This game is absolutely phenomenal, literally the best racing game of all time. Guys, drop what you're doing, make sure you play Forza Horizon 5, and I'm like, "Mm," again, no disrespect to Playground, no disrespect to Forza Horizon, but is it possible that both of these games are actually great, and that the thing that's making Forza Horizon seem better than it maybe actually is or makes call of duty look worse than maybe it actually is is not the fact that the games are good or bad but maybe that you know there's just a conversation and air and a feeling that like fuck call of duty it's this annualized garbage and oh forza horizon that game's awesome i love xbox xbox is great now you know halo infinite had a good beta and the xbox series x kind of made up for a lot of the wrongdoings of the Xbox One, and Xbox games on PC makes me happy, and Game Pass is the best service ever made, so yay, and Forza Horizon 5, best game ever, fuck you. So, I just can't help but feel like this is a little bit of an example of, like, the conversation, and the community, and the fandom, and all that shit kind of creeping in and affecting the way people enjoy and like the games, and, you know, if it's for the better, then why not? You know, if it's just, like, People are just enjoying this game a lot because it's a great game and they're high on Xbox. That just sounds like good things making good things better and everyone having a good time. I'm cool. Enjoy it. Have have the time of your life. That's awesome. But by the same token, I'm just like, well, then why do we have to just fucking hate Call of Duty because it's an annualized franchise? Is Call of Duty an annualized franchise? Is it kind of in some ways a cash cow that Activision exploits because they just want more money? And all- yeah, of course. There are tons of criticisms to be levied at Activision for the way Call of Duty is handled with the fact that we're losing great studios all the time because they just want people to, you know, Beanox and and, and, uh, Vicarious Visions and all these teams. Just work on Call of Duty. Just work on Diablo. And we lose great talent to this machine of like churning out annualized bullshit, right? There's tons of criticism to be levied at Activision and at the Call of Duty brand. But at the end of the day, what should matter to me, you, the consumer, is the game fun to play. And dude, Vanguard's fucking fun. It's a good game. It's polished. It doesn't really have a lot of like network issues or bugs or anything like some games these days tend to have. It's a very, very good multiplayer experience. It's a very good Call of Duty. Remember, think back in the recess of your mind. We used to like Modern Warfare 07 and modern warfare 2 and black ops 1 and world at war and all these games like call of duty used to be cool with the hardcore gamers and i understand it's it's tiring it's like it's just call of duty again and again and again and part of what makes it hard to like is that it never goes away so you can never grow nostalgic for it you can never miss it because it's always fucking there i get that it's a very fair criticism but like let's just judge the product by its own standards vanguard in its own isolated context is a very good game is it ridiculous that we just get call of duty every fucking 11 and a half months without fail yeah but is call of duty vanguard a good game yeah it's very it's really good and a lot of people are just shitting it and trashing it and sweeping it under the rug because you're supposed to hate call of duty if you're a hardcore elite xbox gamer but forza horizon it doesn't have that stigma you're not supposed to hate forza horizon in fact it's an xbox first party game and it's like the best thing you can play on a series x right now therefore it might even be getting a little bit of a bump and I kind of hate that I'm having to have this conversation because I don't want anyone to get the, the impression that I don't like Forza Horizon f- uh, 5 or I'm being critical of the game for something that it didn't do wrong in any way, you know? It's like, that's not Playground's fault that Xbox is popular right now. It's not Playground's fault that maybe there's just a little bit of fanboyism, which is giving the game a little bit of a bump. If anything, Xbox deserves a little bit of a bump because it's it sat idly by and watched PlayStation and Nintendo receive bumps for decades and decades with fucking breath of the wild getting like 10 out of 10 game of the year are you kidding me with that bullshit like so trust me if anyone deserves a little bit of a unfair advantage every now and then maybe it is xbox in the in the game space but again i just i just want to keep it real and just say like forza horizon 5 i cannot wait to play more of it i'll be streaming it tomorrow i'm going to put tons and tons of hours in this game i'm a huge forza horizon fan the game is so far looking great I'm really looking forward to playing more of it. Very happy with it. I think it might be getting a little bit of a hype bump, a little bit of an Xbox fanboy bump. And then conversely, Call of Duty Vanguard, a game that I had low expectations for. Most people wrote off as complete garbage and bullshit before ever even giving the game a proper chance. Better than you think. It's a pretty damn good game. Hey, guys, imagine this. A world where a lot of video games are great. Maybe there's just more good shit happening out there than bad. I don't know. I just want to... Dead Captain James writes in, and let me just end it with this, because I love this comment, to kind of juxtapose with Chicago Gamers' comment and uh, some things we've been talking about. He says, this is the first time since the series came out that I am bored. Far Cry 6 is so boring compared to the others. I never thought I'd say that because I'm a basic bitch Far Cry fan and I love the franchise. So uh, I'll, I want to end it with this. This is a, this is a good point, because this is a point I always make about Far Cry, even. Far Cry is a series that is annualized like crazy. Not annualized, right? it comes out like every two or three years, right? Forza Horizon comes out every two years, usually. Call of Duty comes out every year, so you never miss a beat. So I understand it's a little more tired. It's not as, it's a little more egregious than these other games, but this comment about Far Cry 6, like that's kind of how I am on Far Cry. Like I got that way, 5 was the one that broke me where I was like, this is this is boring. This is not fun anymore. So I understand that people play these games and they're like, okay, I thought I loved Far Cry, but how many times can you play the same fucking thing before it gets old? And I understand a lot of people got that way with Call of Duty, but it's like, guys, I I played two hours of Forza Horizon 5, and I got to tell you, if you played Forza Horizon 5, 4, it's more of that. If you played Forza Horizon 3, it's more of that. So I just, I don't know. Maybe it's like everyone has a different threshold. Forza Horizon's a little more, you know, not as many people have played it. It's not as mainstream a, a game as Call of Duty, although it is very mainstream. Maybe it's just that people haven't gotten burned out on it yet. But I just, uh, I don't know. I find it weird, though. <laughs> like, the attitude right now is like, Forza Horizon 5, which is just more Forza Horizon. Like, whoa, no one saw this coming. What a real game changer. Meanwhile, it's like Far Cry 6. People are like, people are mostly pretty high on Far Cry 6, it seems like. But it's like, you know, some people, like myself, like Dead Captain James, are like, ooh more of this. But also, Call of Duty Vanguard. I don't know. I- I'm not trying to make a specific point with Dead Captain James's comment here, other than to just say... I think it's interesting to just kind of acknowledge this. You know, you got games that are annualized franchise or biannualized franchises or just come out in a frequent clip, right? And it's just so interesting to see the way in which like some of these games are genuinely just kind of getting old and tired. And some of these games are just, you know, just kind of living on through hype or perception or kind of being belabored by a perception, right? Like Call of Duty, obviously probably the most successful game franchise any of us can think of. But the hardcore hate it because you're supposed to hate Call of Duty, even though they're good games usually. Usually. Far Cry 6, people tend to defend... The the same people who are willing to shit on Call of Duty for being an annualized franchise will then defend the fuck out of Far Cry 5 or Far Cry 6 or whatever. But it's like, don't you see? It's kind of the same thing as Call of Duty, but in the Far Cry space. And then you get something like Forza Horizon 5 where it's like, hey, it's just more Forza Horizon, which isn't a bad thing, but... With this game, it's apparently okay for them to kind of just make more and more and more of the same. And it's suddenly the most, like, beloved must-play title on the Xbox Series X to date. And I just, I just find it funny how it's like you kind of see the same thing happen. And depending on what the overall perception or discussion or, you know, the attitude the hardcore gaming audience has kind of just determines arbitrarily how we're supposed to view these various franchises. I just find that interesting. And Dead Captain James, I'm sorry that you're finding Far Cry 6 so boring. I, I Listen, you're you're the OG. Don't Like I've said before, don't tell the others, but you're kind of my favorite because you're the OG. If you want me to, I can pull some strings for you. I know some guys at Ubisoft, not really, but I will do what needs to be done for them to fix this game to make it to your liking because there's nothing more I want than for you to be a happy boy. I don't want you to be a dead Captain James. I want you to be a happy Captain James. Guys, that's going to do it for everything that's not news. With all this out of the way, five hours in the show, God damn it, this episode is longer than the campaign for Call of Duty Vanguard. Can you believe it? Let's jump into the news. All right, we've got, we got a whole Jesse week of news to get to today because Sonic's in the news. All right, but our first story isn't about our blue blur friend. It's actually about a different friend of ours, a friend who goes by the name Phil. Philip? Philip? P. Spencer. Philip is for Phil, and the P is silent, and Spencer has no relation to the edgy gift shop at, at the shopping mall. In fact, it's just Phil Spencer from Xbox. Okay, our first story comes from my favorite site other than Windows Central, which is Video Games Chronicle, reporting that the head of Microsoft's gaming business has said Xbox is targeting acquisitions in the casual and social gaming spaces. In an interview with Bloomberg, Phil Spencer said that he wants first-party software lineup to include more casual content with broad appeal, saying, quote, when I think about – dude, Phil always says, when I think about – that's always how he starts a sentence – when I think about the kinds of genres we usually associate with Xbox, yes, we have Roblox, we have Minecraft, we have FIFA and Fortnite – But we want to continue to invest in more social, casual content that's our, that's out there Uh, we have lots of ambition this is not the first time spencer has said microsoft is looking to grow its casual first party output quote we look at the people who are playing xbox what game pass subscribers are playing i think it is missing what's missing from our portfolio is casual content and broad appeal he told games reactor in october of 2020 e-rated content is not a strength for us we obviously have minecraft and we have some other franchises but when i think about expanding that creative palette in our and what our teams have i think that it's critically important Microsoft completed a $7.5 billion acquisition of ZeniMax Media and its game publisher, Bethesda Softworks, in March, in a deal that saw Xbox Game Studios grow from 15 to 23 developers. In June, Xbox... Uh, game Studios boss Matt Booty said that platform holder said that the platform holder was continuing to search for studios to purchase as a targeted release at first party game every quarter going forward. And last month, Spencer told Wall Street Journal that, that the company is definitely not done acquiring development studios. So with all that said, guys, we need a we need we need a platformer. We need an Xbox platformer. Thank you. All right, yes, we have Psychonauts. Not good enough. We have Blinks, the the time-sweeping cat. Bring him back. Guys, well, actually, all joking aside. So, yes, this is something Xbox historically suffers with so, so much. You think about the Xbox OG. What did they have? They had Blinks. They had Voodoo Vince. They had um, Fusion Frenzy. You know, they had some... Casual games, some E rated games, some games that, you know, some of those games were a little bit edgy, grabbed by the ghoulies, but, you know, a little bit 2000s, late 90s kind of attitude to them to some extent. A little character platformer kind of uh, chasing the tail of sort of deal going on there. But Xbox, they did try. The attempt was there. But when you think back to OG Xbox and, and, and what made an impression on gamers, these are not the games that came up right we talk about blinks all the time now on this podcast but in the xbox ecosystem in general more kind of as a meme or as a fond obscure memory but think about the xbox og what are the games that really stood out well halo you know forza jade empire kOTOR these games are not e for everyone games these are not grandma can pick up and play like fucking Wii Wii sports right so obviously this has kind of been a thing since the beginning of Xbox. When you think about it, three sixty, you know, little Banjo kazooie nuts and bolts, Okami, or not Okami, but uh what's it, uh what is that one called? Fucking God, it was made by Rare. Oh whatever, my mind's blanking, but whatever. They 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 tried to some extent to varying success, and then obviously the Kinect was the closest they ever got. Because Connect sold like crack. They did they did well. Uh Rare did those Kinect sports adventure games, they did Connect the Moles, they did you know, Ubisoft killed it with Just Dance on Connect and all these things. So there were attempts, there were things that happened, there were games uh, that were trying to appeal to the casual market and to some degrees of success. But you think about the Xbox 360 and what's kind of everyone's takeaway in, in memory of that console? Halo 3, Gears of War, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Definitely not... Grandma can pick up and play kind of E for everyone games. So again, the the stigma continues. I feel like in the Xbox One generation, that's kind of where they, I don't want to say gave up, but maybe were the least aggressive about trying to address this. Yeah, we had games like Project Spark early in the generation, if you remember that. And games like uh, a Super Lucky's Tale, which we're still seeing released here today. But, you know, nothing real substantial. So yes, this is, and of course I'm leaving out the big kicker, Minecraft. This is this has always been a blind spot for Xbox. This has always been a weak one for them. And other than Minecraft, you know, it's kind of hard to think. Like, how could you get in on this, 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 uh, this money, this market, right? Because I I I'd actually argue Sony equally struggles with this as well. This is something that only really Nintendo kind of nails. You think about I wouldn't say Smash Brothers because it's a little, it's a little technical, but like Mario Kart mario party these are games that everyone animal crossing these are games anyone can play you know my my mom came like so fucking close to buying a nintendo switch and and getting animal crossing just because yeah nintendo has the secret sauce they know how to make a game that even grandma will play but this has obviously always been a weak one for xbox and i think when you look at the initiative not the not the studio the initiative but This kind of internal desire from Xbox to grow gaming to the most number of players imaginable, which is, you know, what they constantly talk about with PC and X Cloud and all these things is they want to make Xbox make gaming more accessible to more people. Well, yeah, a big part of that is infrastructure and devices and places to play and ways to play and all that. But another big part is just making games that are appealing and marketable and interesting to non-traditional gamers because yeah it's it's great that you can have the power of a Series X streamed to your iPhone in the middle of the fucking desert because X Cloud is awesome. That's great. But that doesn't make you know the non traditional gamer suddenly want to play Gears of War Five. It just it just doesn't. So now you gotta ask yourself we have the technology, we have the means, we have the way to get everyone to have access to the Xbox platform regardless of where they are and how they want to play, but now we need the content to to get them. And so yeah, you can talk about the third party stuff, Roblox and shit like that, but you know, we're talking about an Xbox that wants to acquire studios. We're talking about an Xbox that wants to have a game a big first party release come to Game Pass every quarter, you know, minimum. That that they probably want to drop some bucks, right? The problem is who? You know, who out there is making this kind of content that is available that is on the market that you could see Xbox, you know, going after. Like think about it. Rare is the only one they is the only team they own that it's like, "Oh, well they're capable of doing that." But look at Rare. They're killing it with Sea of Thieves. They're making more like I don't know, Everwild looks like, I don't know how to say this, but whatever Everwild is, age demographic-wise, it's probably going to appeal to the same market as as Sea of Thieves, you know? It's not going to be a banjo kazooie game for the kids again you know so microsoft currently doesn't really own any studios that are up to this task and when you think about acquiring it my my hang up is like but who right because it's like okay phil spencer says they want to acquire teams that that can you know they're good at social gaming and casual gaming great there's not really much to divulge there other than to say xbox has historically sucked with this and who would you like to see take you know be acquired to take control of this to, to step up to the plate right and this is a hard one, again, because Nintendo does this better than anyone else. It's not even worth competing with. And I think that's something Sony does a great job of, is just saying, hey, it's not even worth our time to compete with. But Xbox, I feel like they kind of got to compete, because Sony's trying to sell people PlayStations to play video games. Xbox is trying to get people to subscribe to Game Pass, whether they're on an Xbox or a fucking iPad mini, you know? So they got a wider net audience they're trying to reach, and therefore they need wider audience content, more evergreen kind of wide-ranging uh, games available for everyone, and that kind of puts them in a little bit of a, a, a stickier spot because other than Minecraft, what the fuck could they possibly pull off? You know, no one really could have saw Minecraft coming in terms of, like, it sticking around this long and being a great investment for Microsoft and, well, just Microsoft buying it ever in the first place. No one really could have ever, ever ever seen that one coming, but here we are, and, and and frankly, when I try to sit down and think about it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who could do this. You know, like I think of like um, avalanche software doing Hogwarts legacy right now. Like they made some really awesome kitty movie tying games for Disney back when they were owned by Disney. And I'm just like, well, if they were owned by Xbox, you know, it had that kind of budget talking power into getting basically whatever license they want. They could make pretty good, you know, family friendly content on Xbox, I, I suppose, but that gets back into the rumor of Xbox buying WB and all that but like i don't know that's one that comes to mind but again for the most part there aren't many big players making like family friendly kid games these days it's like the kids are playing like one off indie games like like among us or 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 uh, fall guy or they're playing like these mega hit games that the kids may or may not that that may or may not be intended for kids like call of duty or whatever or they're playing fucking five nights at freddy's and Fortnite or or some shit like that so it's like how do you tap into that market it's so difficult you can't make the kart racer or the the platformer or the party game the way nintendo does because nintendo does that and we've seen historically when people try to compete, it just doesn't happen fusion frenzy didn't take off all the smash brothers clones ever released they never took off this just doesn't work you know crash team racing it did well but it's no mario kart so you you can't compete in that front and then you look at like okay well what about the among us and the fortnite's of the world you can't capture lightning in a bottle those are games that are just like kind of freak accidents no one ever knew what games would end up being that big. And those were the games that just so happened to get that big. So I feel like that kind of success of something like a Fortnite or fall guy or something, you know, smaller, like among us or whatever, you can strive to make a game like that, but you can't guarantee a success with something like that. You can't manufacture the next big thing. It just, it just kind of happens. So I feel like with that being the outlook, it's, it's kind of hard for Microsoft to be like, yeah, we're going to get social content. We're going to get casual content. It's like, all right, man, good luck with that, you know, and and maybe their approach as well with the wide player base that you get from, you know, having xCloud and PC and Xbox, you don't need the next Minecraft or the next Roblox. You can have something smaller and just the install base will be so big that it's bound to do all right. Kind of like what people used to do with the Wii back in the day where it was like they just made garbage shovelware because, the install base for the Wii was so high that's like yeah you can make basically carnival whatever the fuck games and people will buy it because they want to buy shit for their Wii so I don't I don't know man I don't know it's weird they we're in a world where Xbox doesn't have Connect anymore we're in a world where the casual and kind of uh, social content is usually stuff that just kind of blows up out of thin air in a in the most unforeseeable way so it's like how do you necessarily develop for and plan for that kind of content and uh this is i think this has always traditionally been a difficult thing to get into and i think what xbox is going to find out and going down this road is that it's harder than ever before to to, to capture this casual and social content and anything they should just be grateful that they even i mean i don't think they shouldn't try it's it's great that they're gonna try i hope you know i hope it works out but i mean they should just be happy they even have minecraft because i mean minecraft is one of those things it's like who could have saw that coming here we are you know minecraft is like 12 years old now i can't believe i'm saying that but it's like 12 years old now and um still killing it people still love minecraft so i don't know all right, our next story. This is the most Jesse story if I ever if I ever seen one. You know, Sonic Frontiers. Let's get into it. Sega has filed a trademark for Sonic Frontiers, which looks likely to be the name of the next mainline entry in the flagship Sonic the Hedgehog series. The Japanese trademark uh, for Sonic Frontiers was filed last month, the listing in the country's trademark body has revealed. The timing may be significant as the trademark was filed after it was claimed online that the next entry in the series would be called Sonic Frontiers and feature An open-world setup. In May, Sega teased plans to release a new mainline Sonic the Hedgehog game in 2022 for Xbox Series X, S1, and PC. Based on the metadata reference files used uh, in the production of Sega's teaser trailer, it was previously suggested that the game could be called Sonic Rangers. However, on October 17th, several days before Sega's trademark were filed, an anonymous leaker via Reddit claimed that the name of the game had been changed to Sonic Frontiers. They also said that it would be an open-world game similar to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Sonic team, had, or sorry, Sonic team head Takashi Izuka said that he'd like the game to have the same lasting impact as Sonic Adventure. In the Sonic Stadium interview published in June, the franchise's creative officer said that he hoped the upcoming game would provide the building blocks for future Sonic titles for many years to come. Saying, quote, Sonic Adventure laid the foundation for 20 years of Sonic titles after its release. So in the same way, I really hope that the new title releasing in 2022 lays the foundation for the following future Sonic titles. That is the idea behind the challenge for the team, Izuka said. While not ready to detail the game, he added that since the title is still in mid-development, there's nothing that I can speak of, but I did want to say that the development team has been spending their time to do something new and challenging. Though A lot of trial and error. And through a lot of trial and error, the team is looking to present everyone a new Sonic game. and I hope it, I hope your warm support of their work can motivate them to really deliver against the challenge. So, I do want to mention we just talked about wanting casual content, wanting social content. We're talking about Sega and Microsoft maybe getting in bed and, and joining forces. Hey, Sonic, that's some good, that's some good casual content right there. But no, all, uh, all. Joking aside, although I don't mean, I'm I'm not joking, I would love that. Hey, this is the first time in a long time we get to talk about Sonic, so allow me to indulge for a moment. Now, the name itself, I find inconsequential. We will learn what the name is when we learn, I don't care. As someone who's very finely tuned into the Sonic community, I will say this debate has been going back and forth. These trademarks, these names have been going back and forth for a long time. Whatever, people have been calling Sonic Frontiers and Rangers for a while now as far as I'm concerned following these YouTubers and these social accounts for Sonic. But what gets me is more this this focus on the open world thing. I, I, I want to get into this. Now this again also been talked about for a while now. But now that the mainstream is starting to pay attention to this story a little more. We have an excuse to talk about it. I think this is a really interesting idea. That we need to talk about in a world where everything is open world games. Everything is every game is open world. It doesn't necessarily have to be. I wonder if Sonic is the kind of game that might actually be perfect for an open world. I, I don't know. Either Sonic is the perfect game for an open world or it's a terrible idea. And the reason I say that is because. Well, you think about the problem Sonic's had since it came to 3D, and everyone always says, well, you move too fast, it's hard to control in a 3D space, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's the beauty of an open world, is that there's so much space to move, there's so much to explore, there's so much empty large range for the player that if you have a character that's stupid, fast and spontaneous and ridiculous and can do crazy moves, an open, large environment might be the perfect place to put that character might be the perfect place to let them shine. I think about it. And what comes to mind is, well, if you have a Sonic game, that's open world and it's all about running really fast and dodging obstacles in your way and sliding under barricades and just doing all the crazy stuff. Sonic does in these modern Sonic games, But in an open-world setting, I feel like that leaves the possibility to have a world that is fun to just move around and traverse in an open world, kind of like how Spider-Man games are, you know? You think about a game like Grand Theft Auto, the epitome of an open-world game, right? Well, Grand Theft Auto's fun isn't that it's really fun to run around an open world on foot as a human, you know? No. You think about a game like we were just talking about, uh, Far Cry 6. Far Cry is a fun game, but let's not lie to ourselves and pretend that the fun of Far Cry is running around an open world environment on foot, exploring and just moving around. Very few open world games have this. In fact, most don't. But you want to know what does have it? Spider-Man does. In Spider-Man, it's just fun to swing webs around the city to run on walls and run up buildings and climb on things. It's just fun to move around a big open world box. Forza is kind of the same way. It's just fun to drive around a big open world. We just talked about Forza Horizon 5. What's one of the things that makes that game so much fun? You can ignore all the main content and just drive. And I feel like Sonic has the potential to bring that layer, that flavor to open world games in a way that most open world games actually can't. And so I know, again, it's one of those things. Hardcore gamers love to make fun of Sonic. Sonic hasn't been good since Sonic 2, which isn't true. And Sonic, you know, is always so stupid, so cringy, it's furry porn, whatever. But Sonic's a very important franchise to gaming. And I think, I don't know, I think the game, the franchise has more hits than people want to admit. And I think this is, this is a, a possibility that could really make for a future Sonic where we're looking at, you know, a, a successful game, a game that is respectable and likable and enjoyable and, and palatable to most. And I think open world Sonic really, you know, cause to me, I've always said, you know, people are like struggle with Sonic. Like what's the point of Sonic? You go so fast that you can't see the obstacles ahead of you. And then you end up jumping into a barricade where you fall down falling into a pit of spikes or hitting into an enemy and losing all your momentum and your rings and everything. It's not fun. And the thing I always had to explain to people is like, Don't think of Sonic as like just a straight up competitor to Mario where the idea is to like jump on enemies, make it from point A to point B, run around the world, blah, 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 collect items. Sonic is all of that like a traditional platformer but it's also a racing game think of sonic like a racing game where it's like time trials you make it to point a point b but not just like mario where you want to jump on enemies collect points and get to the end of the level think of it like a time trial in a racing game where you want to make your best lap you want to make great timing so how do you how do you get good at it well of course you're gonna suck the first time because you don't know the level layout but the more times you play it the more times you learn the layout the layout of the level you learn where the the pits are located and where the bad enemies are and where the things that get thrown at you are you know when when jump and where to slide and when to dodge and what things to jump on and you know how to do it just so that it's like it's like a ghost run in a racing game where you're just trying to get your best lap in and that's kind of the fun of sonic is it's it's platforming meets racing and i and i'm thinking about something like Forza horizon which is obviously fresh on our minds for pretty obvious reasons and i think sonic possibly has the potential to be a really fun open world game for similar reasons. It's, it's a racing game in a 3d platformer environment. And let's see what it's like to take, you know, you know how Forza horizon takes the more linear granular nerdy kind of track game Forza motorsport. It makes it a fun arcadey open world sandbox for you to explore and roam around. It's really, really good. Let's see what happens when you do the same thing with Sonic, when you take it off of it's, linear level based point a to point b kind of structure and you plop it into big open world and say run around have fun collect shit do shit bye and i i just think that's kind of a really cool concept for sonic that people are just kind of overlooking it's like oh open world sonic of course they're gonna do that but it's like whoa whoa, whoa think about it it's kind of a really good fit for sonic Especially now that we have these consoles that can handle high frame rates and things like that. Because a lot of things people don't think about is one of the things that makes Sonic so technical is it's like you put a bunch of enemies on screen, but then you're running really fast. And there's so much motion, so much fluidity, and so much happening at once. It's kind of rough on the console. You need a decent piece of hardware to run a really modern Sonic game. And I think, you know, think about Series X. It's like, well, that's the console that could do it. An open world, fast running Sonic game with tons of enemies on screen. You can pull that off there. So I don't know. I I don't I don't dislike this idea at all. As someone who loves the boost formula Sonic games, the, you know, unleashed colors, generations, that kind of era of Sonic. And I don't want to see that go. I want to see more Sonic games made in that vein. I feel like if you're going to try to reestablish Sonic for for the next generation of gamers, this is not a bad idea, especially if you have a boost formula and you're able to just. Kind of go crazy in this open environment, travel from place to place really fast, take objectives, go into other levels and things like that. This could be a really fun game, not just because, oh, the levels are fun or the, it's Sonic, and I like Sonic, but because it's like, it might just be a really fun game to play in and to exist in that universe and add a level of replayability that Sonic sorely needs. And this solves another issue of Sonic is, you know, part of the issue is Sonic games, you move so fast, that's like, it's so hard to develop these games because... A level that would otherwise be a very long, laborious level in a Mario game is just super, super fast in Sonic because the whole name of the game is just running really fast. So if you create a massive open world where people explore and and you do things and you fill in boxes and collect and do all this shit, you offer a way for the player to go really fast and do a lot of things while also not running into the constraint of, oh my god, you have to develop so much game to make a decent average length of product because the character just runs through the content so fucking fast so it, it fixes a problem the song games still suffer to this day which is the game's too short because you know it's, it takes too long to make this content and also adds a really unique and interesting way to play a game that's probably better suited for open world than most I'd say so I don't know I think I'm, I'm open to this I think it's pretty cool now next up coming from our boys over at VGC. The head of Square Enix has claimed that Crystal Dynamics was a bad fit for Marvel's Avengers given its lack of experience with games as a service. Addressing sharehold, shareholders' meeting, the publisher uh, said in its company's annual report, President Yosuke Matsuda said Square Enix needed to learn from the game's disappointing performance. Notably, he highlighted the importance of matching development studios with game designers that best suit the skill sets and interests. Avengers developer Crystal Dynamics is best known for their single-player Tomb Raider games in their next project of collaboration with Xbox Game Studio on, perf- on Perfect Dark, Marvel's Avengers was an ambitious title for us, as he says, quote, in, in the shareholder meeting on a games as a service model. We overcame a variety of unexpected difficulties in a final uh, phase of the game's development, including needing to transition to work from home because of the pandemic. We were able to surmount, surmount the and these challenges uh, through the game's release, but unfortunately, it is not proven as successful as we would have liked. Nonetheless, taking on games as a service model highlights issues that are Likely to face, in, we're likely to face in the future, uh, game development efforts such as the need to select game designs that mesh with unique attributes and tastes of our studios and development teams. While the new challenge that we tackled with this titled product pr- produced are disappointing outcome-wise, we are certain that games as a service approach will grow in importance as gamers as gaming becomes more service-oriented. How we will go about creating new experiences, and incorporating them into This trend is a key question that we need to answer going forward. I don't have much to say on this one other than to say no fucking shit. This is uh, this is what happened with Anthem. um, And I think we're going to see this happen with a lot of games before we finally see this problem stop, which is that everyone looked at Destiny and said, wow, that's successful. It makes a lot of money. It's one game that to make. And then they just sustain it with content. Uh, We want one of those. And so your Ubisofts and your Square Enixes and your EAs and everyone were like, yes, we'll take one of one Destiny, please. And it's just not that simple. You know, Destiny works because it was a vision that Bungie had. It was a game they were passionate about. And it was a thing they wanted to make. And it took a while for people to understand what the fuck this kind of game is. But it works because it was original at what it did. It was the best at what it did because it came from a, from a developer that was capable of doing it and someone who wanted to do it. And someone who had the passion and the, and the inspiration to do it. This is different. This was Everyone was already confused when this game was confirmed to be a Games as a Service type title because everyone's like, oh, you mean the guys that make those Tomb Raider games are going to make a Games as a Service with Iron Man and Spider-Man? Like, what, what the fuck is that? And so it's kind of no surprise that they're like here saying well, it looks like uh, you need to find a good match for these kinds of things. You can't just force a development team to work on something that they're not skilled or suited to work on. You kind of got to find the right match for the product. It's like, yeah, no shit, dude. So, I mean, I I don't have much to say other than this is just a perfect example of like just the stupidity that goes on in these uh, these studios with these higher-ups where it's just like, these money driven decisions of, of hey we see this thing that's successful we want that uh, hey you make video games right Crystal dynamics y- yeah well make us a destiny it's like well no that's not how this works and yeah man you you clearly make a bad product or a less than you know fully inspired and stellar project that the team actually wants to make and, and you, you get what you pay for you know like you you asked for a Destiny clone, a Destiny competitor, a division competitor, whatever. And yeah, you got a game from a team that doesn't make that kind of game, that didn't want to make that kind of game, that doesn't have that experience and inclination to make that kind of game. And they gave you something that was less than stellar. No shock there. So we see this so much. We saw this with BioWare, with Anthem. It's like, guys, I know you want the cash grab. I know you want the one game that sustains itself and just continues to generate and print money like Grand Theft Auto Online. But you gotta have the right team for the right job. You can't just let hey ever made a game before? Cool, give us a grand Theft Auto Five online. It doesn't work that way. You got you gotta find the right people for the job. And hopefully these companies are starting to learn their lesson. EA with Anthem, Square Enix with uh, with uh, Avengers. But man, I don't know how much more of this bullshit we have to go through before these people catch on that like the g- gamers aren't completely stupid. They they do have expectations and tastes and and, and there's some nuance in this they they know you know when it, when they're being served shit and avengers was incoherent and apparently i didn't play it but to some people kind of shitty so wow now this is one that popped late last week but we kind of missed it because it was like right before the podcast happened but vgc reports that take two and 2k games label has reportedly canceled a new title from mafia studio Hangar 13 Codename Volt, the project, had reportedly been in development from various forms since 2017, but the people who are familiar with Take-Two's decision told Bloomberg in an interview or in an article that work on the unannounced project had ceased. Article's author, reporter Jason Schreier, claimed Volt was a new IP that rumors of Hangar 13 making a Mafia 4 were always false aside from an early attempt in 2016 or 17. In its second quarter earnings statement on Wednesday, Take-Two said that it had taken a $53 million impairment charge related to the company's decision to not proceed with the further development of an unannounced title, but no further details about the project were given. An earlier leak described as Volt, an open world sci-fi title with supernatural elements in a Cthulhu meets Saints Row. So again, so this is a bit of an unfortunate one just because I mean what is what is a little bit of a, a weird one cuz like what what is what's Hangar 13 really even working on? You know, if 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 not what, you know, whatever this is, they they did Mafia 3, they did the Mafia Definitive Edition, but now they've already had their basically their second title scrapped and this makes me worry a little bit about hangar 13 because this is not good mafia 3 was a game that people really liked the story of and there was some good to it but it came out kind of buggy and broken a lot of ways needing a lot of work and it just didn't sell very well on top of all that so that's not great and now their second project has been written off and canceled and the bad thing there is usually for something like that to happen that means the, the publisher didn't believe in the game so much that rather than just releasing the game to kind of recoup some cost, they just straight up ate the whole loss and canceled the project. So that, again, is not good. And I guess my simple take here is just, what does this mean for the, the future of a studio like this? Now, I think, as we're about to get into the next story, there's potential for a team like this to have a redemption arc by putting them on like port work or support work or, or you know, remaster duty or something like that and letting them do things of that nature. But if you're Hangar 13 and you're looking for your next project, this is not a great sign that your Maf- Mafia 4 didn't happen, Mafia 3 didn't do well, and your next project got basically canned. Which is interesting, it's almost like a Saints Row competitor from the publisher that makes Grand Theft Auto, which is the game that Saints Row seeks to compete with. But I digress, I don't have too much to say on this one, other than I keep an eye on these guys because I, I don't think they're in great shape. Um, But it is possible that they could be working on our next, you know, what we're going to get into our next story, which is reporting from Windows Central. Grand Theft Auto 4 could be making its way in the form of remastered treatment, according to new rumors making the rounds online. The game debuted in 2008 with a New York-inspired setting among the most acclaimed in the franchise. While Rockstar soon will launch the GTA trilogy, as of today, the day this podcast goes live... It could be first. It could be the first of many more ports. Could be the first of more ahead. News of the supposed release comes via Twitter through Outrouse Valve, best known for leaking alleged details on the next Infinity Ward Call of Duty project, Modern Warfare 2. Previous details on the next Call of Duty title were later affirmed by reputable names, including Video Game Chronicles' Tom Henderson. However, as with any official leaks, it is worth taking claims with a copious pinch of salt. Tweets from the user, teased the return of GTA 4 following its expected 2023 release window also stating that the game will drop multiplayer a fundamental component of GTA 4 which helped bolster the game's long-term appeal obviously as as to not compete with GTA 5 in addition the addition episodes liberty city stories also uh, slated for a package would provide the Ballad of Gay Tony, and The Lost and the Damned, single-player DLC stories from the main game. The title will allegedly be released on Xbox One, Series X, S, and PC. Now, this is our final story, and I just want to real quick say, again, not too much to say here other than, yeah, it's rumored they're working on a GTA 4. We don't know who's working on this, and this could possibly be a project for Hangar 13. Um, you know, Now, is it possible... Rockstar is working on this yes you think about how a lot of their writing talent has left with the lack of focus on the next GTA game and and an emphasis on GTA Online maybe this is an opportunity for you know some people at some people at Rockstar to put some work in on something other than GTA Online, especially if that's not their strong suit or, or the thing they're there to work on. This gives them the opportunity to work on some proper GTA content, even if it is just re-releasing. Good knuckle crack there. It, even if it is just re-releasing content that has happened before. I think both are possibilities, but the the thing is on top of, you know, possibly having Hangar 13 or Rockstar do these things. The other thing you got you to imagine is, why bring all these old grand theft auto games to console Uh, for any reason other than if you want to say hey guys heads up gta 6 is very very far out it's not coming anytime soon here's some nostalgia to hold you over in the meantime and that's the purpose of these remakes again 2023 that would be in two years we would get this remake so again i that's more to satiate you as we continue on this long and treacherous wait for gta 6 um in my opinion but it also means it's probably more of a heavy lifting kind of remaster um, if it's that far out Uh, you know a game that was already a lot less in need of an update than a game like gta 3 but a game that could do very well with some modern sensibilities and and touches to it now i think the conspicuous absence of the multiplayer probably has a lot to do with not wanting to interfere with gta 5's multiplayer component but at the same time this is kind of where we are with gta and why we got there is because it's all about protecting the cow, the cash cow of GTA Online. This is why we don't have a GTA 6 yet. This is why people are leaving Rockstar because there's nothing to work on for them. If they're story writers or whatever the case may be. And for the rest of us, it's like, okay, well, we just get remakes of old Grand Theft Auto games because GTA 6 is very, very far out if even happening at all. Although I'm sure, you know, as the report suggests, it is actually in development very much actively at this moment. But yeah, some speculation on why what's coming and who could be working on it. I don't have much to add on either of those stories anyway, um, other than that. But guys, I hope you enjoyed the news this week. Now, I do have to warn you, it's not over. Because next, we're going to jump into the important enough news. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not quite important enough to warn their own discussions, uh, of which we have a few. Crunchyroll Premium is arriving on Game Pass for Game Pass Ultimate subscribers. Game Pass Ultimate subscribers will get 75 free days of Crunchyroll Premium mega fun with mega fun you can enjoy a thousand over a thousand series ad free with access to new episodes simulcasts one hour uh premieres in japan and more great titles like one piece my hero academia demon slayer uh, kimitsu no yaiba and more are now available to stream and enjoy to redeem your 75 free day subscription trial go through the perks gallery on the xbox console on the Xbox app on Windows and PCs, or through the Xbox Game Pass mobile app on iOS and Android. Once you claim the park, members will go directly to the Crunchyroll site to activate the subscription. The offer ends by February 8th, so make sure you act now. Uh, next, VGC reports that the co-director of Deathloop has been appointed to Arcane Lion's new studio. Uh, Dinga Bakaba took the role of the studio director at the company in October following the departure of former head Romulad Capron. Uh, uh, Bakaba has also... Re- Obtained his position as RK Lions co-creative director, a role that he shares with Deathloop co-creator and studio art director Sebastian Mitten. Uh, VGC also reports that the new interview A new interview has hinted that Hogwarts Legacy may release in 2022, late in 2022. Rachel Wakely, Warner Bros. General Manager, spoke to Toy World Magazine about the Wizarding World IP, in which it referred to two major releases in 2022, the first upcoming Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, she said, which releases in the UK on April 8th, and the second one is Hogwarts Legacy, so stay tuned for more on that. Next, Call of Duty Vanguard data miners have unearthed details about operators that could be being added to the game, including an attack on Titan crossover in the near future so hurt me i don't want to think about that and finally vgc reports that konami is pulling metal gear solid 2 and 3 from digital storefronts starting now in a statement posted on the official mgs website the publisher claimed that the games would have been removed from sale because of their real life archival footage used in them and how the licensing of the uh it may now be expired so we got to wait to see if those games resurface this is the problem with digital games video game preservation all these things but whatever not going to get into that guys because we are done with the news now as a quick reminder we got new games coming out this month this week tons of them 16 new games but here's some notable ones from the xbox wire i want to mention to you guys football manager 2022 is available now it's on series x and s smart delivery it's on game pass go play it stop being an idiot Go play it. But more importantly, Forza Horizon 5 is out now. You guys know why you want to play this game. It's because it's fucking gorgeous looking, and it's probably a shit ton of fun. I cannot wait to get get back to more of it. Jurassic World Evolve Evolution 2 is out now as well, but that's a game for people who are dinosaurs at heart, and we don't want them. Uh, 890 decibels is coming out. Alchemistic Simulator, Alchemy Simulator, Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy Definitive Edition is out now. Series X, Series S, Smart Delivery. And remember, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is included in your Game Pass, so get that shit while you can. And lastly, I want to point out that um, Battlefield 2042 Ultimate and Gold Edition Early Access begins on November 12th, so while the game doesn't come out till the 19th, you can enjoy, um, you know, early access to it beginning on the 12th. And Game Pass subscribers, EA Play members, you get 10 free hours of the trial starting November 12th, so make sure to take advantage of that. I know I will be at some point. Uh, and that is going to do it for everything other than games with gold, as a reminder, for the month of November. Moving Out is available for the entire month, so download it to do it. Uh, you also got Kingdom 2 Crowns, which is available from November 16th to December 15th. Uh, Rocket Knight which is available now until the 15th of November and lastly Lego Batman 2 DC Super Heroes is available November 16th through the 30th and guys with that one said no more fake outs. that's it that's going to do it for this week's Xbox On it's been a full adventurous week I appreciate you guys being here for the ride I love talking to you I love seeing you I can't wait to see the shit I get for what I said about Forza Horizon 5 the ways you you misconstrue what I meant or what I was trying to say maybe it's me blaming my inarticulate self on, on 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 you maybe i'm blaming you for how i sound when i talk out of my mouth i don't know but guys please if you got itunes rate the show five stars please it really does help a lot please do subscribe on youtube leave a like leave a comment don't forget two thumbs up hit the bell and support me on patreon until next guy until next time guys power your dreams